Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here at USA Global TV and radio. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck, and our show today is The Art of Creating Mental Health wealth. Here in the United States, it is a big day. It is the day before Thanksgiving. This is one of the busiest travel days and one of the biggest days that people get together and go out and celebrate before the big feast. So I'm thankful for each and every one of you for taking this journey with us and being part of our platform, which is all about education, inspiration, and hope. Joining me here on this platform is a person who has contributed so much and continues to be selfless and leading with her heart. I think today we have three or four shows I've lost track. Janetta Barry in the Epiphany Process is here with us today and has brought an incredible guest. Let's welcome Janetta now. Hello, Janetta. Hello, Dr. Jacqueline. And yes, it's three today, four, four shows a week. But it's a lot. Today. It's it's a lot, and and it's uh it means a lot to me because I know it takes time, it takes effort, it takes preparation, and the value that you're bringing is priceless. Well, thank you so much. I could I could say the the reflection goes back to you because you work tirelessly to on this platform, making a difference globally, and that's what it's about. And the more people we can get on this platform sharing and listening and viewing, I, I think it has the capacity to, to really make huge changes to conversations everywhere. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and Jeanette, I especially want to thank you for coming up with this title for the show and for bringing mental health awareness to the platform. Because as you know, since we started, which is going to be a year ago, believe it or not, we'd actually started before that. But mental health is it's in mainstream news. It's it's all over the place. People are going through all kinds of changes. And it used to be, as you know, a, a taboo subject that people would be ridiculed for, they'd be alienated. And now people are being encouraged to come forward and share their experiences and how it's impacting them emotionally, spiritually, physically, in so many ways. You have an incredible backstory yourself. And for those joining us for the first time, I'd love to have you share that if you would, and then we'll bring out our guest for today. Oh, thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. Yes. Um, I created this title and, and co-hosted this show for nearly a year now because this is so close to my heart. I really do believe, before I go into my backstory, that mental health uh, really, when it's, it, it's um, attached to all matters art, 
that's where our creative ability is. And we are creatures that have been created by the creator. So when we're in our creativity, we truly are aligned to the creator and the creative universe. And that's when new conversations start. And it's why it's called the art of mental health wealth. And my backstory that's brought me here today to be part of all of this uh, started 17 years ago when uh, we'd been walking a really tricky path with my uh, daughter Jenny, my teenage daughter Jenny, and several times she'd attempted suicide and we had managed to, to save her and help her and put her in and out of rehab to get her through. But finally, just two weeks after she turned 16, I was I was laying very important ground rules, safekeeping ground rules that she was breaking left, right and center. And that conversation escalated into an enormous argument. And she took herself off in a rage to her room to essentially pack and leave home. And I sensed something wasn't right. And I went to look for her and I found she'd taken her life in her shower. And that journey of getting through that was enormous. And uh, there were times I really didn't think I would get through. I nearly ended my life three times when I wasn't a, a suicidal person um, because I just couldn't see how to get through. And then one day I was crossing the road really mindlessly and I got halfway across when I suddenly realized that I'd forgotten that I didn't have to wear and carry the label of the mother that lost their child to suicide after an argument for the rest of my life, that I wasn't being disloyal by moving through and seeing a bigger picture in all of this. And I got to the other side of that road and decided, right, now I'm going to start researching and studying. I, I mean, I, I wasn't altogether the way I'm saying it to you now. It was really tricky, rocky, unbelievably hard. There were still moments where I really wondered how I'd ever get there. I even got to the second year and I, I felt my worst. Um, and um, But I did. I persevered because I knew I could not go through to my 80s and 90s living the way I was living. And uh, that's what I did. And I've not, I mean, it's an ongoing process for the rest of my life. But I've been also able to help thousands of people all around the world online. I've been online now for 15 years uh, through the epiphany process, which is what I called my process. And it's been such a heart opening uh, ability to help others through my greatest life test. And that's why I'm so delighted to have our guest today join us. Uh, Monica Karanja is from Kenya as well. Uh, some of you might know I'm, I'm from Kenya. And the most exciting part is that we both live in the same area of Kenya, in the Great Rift Valley, near and next to uh, Lake Naivasha in the Great Rift Valley. And Monica's story is exceptional. I was so impressed with this lady when she introduced herself to me after I spoke earlier this year at the American Women's Association. 
uh, an association that Monica has played a huge part in, also with a selfless open heart. She's been through hell and back again and made something of it and, and has the most amazing project to share with us uh, in today's show. Her backstory, uh, uh, really, I would suggest you get yourself your tea and sit there or your coffee and sit there because her story has been such a tough one and has turned into such an inspiring one. A lady filled with courage and hope and vision and a legacy that's bigger than her and will carry on long be, long after she, she has uh, moved on from this planet. And apart from anything, Monica is a general counseling therapist to give you some of her, her accolades. And she has an emphasis in drug and alcohol counseling. And she's certified by the California Consortium of Addiction Programs and Professionals and is currently certified by the Kenya Counseling and Psychological Association. And boy, does that shine through. I could go on reading this incredibly outstanding uh, bio of, of Monica's, but instead... Dr. Jacqueline, I'd like to introduce you to Monica Karanja, our viewers and listeners. Monica, welcome. Welcome, welcome Monica. Nice to have you here. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. What an introduction, Janetta. That is so amazing. Thank you so much. And the I beautiful hope part I can leave is after that. that. She said it was just part of it. She could she could continue on and on. So, Monica, I aside from welcoming you, in addition to that, I'd love to just get started. Tell us about this T-shirt that you have and the significance of it, and then let's get into your story. Um, so this T-shirt I'm wearing, it was given to me um, by my mentor. His name is Kyle Mosen. Uh, I lived in California for many years. And I told him, I approached him while I was doing a little fundraising uh, because at the time in 2018, I decided I wanted to come back home and start a rehab center, even though I had no clue how to go about it. Um, my background is in finance. Uh, so I approached a few rehab owners, asking them for ideas, suggestions, and he uh, offered to um, give me all the support that he can give me, um, including financial support. So when I got here, um, I started a rehab and I called it, I wanted to call it something else, but uh, with his motivation, he told me to call it, uh, to do something with Out of Africa. So the full name of my company is Out of Africa by the Sea Limited, but on the shirt, we only put Out of Africa by the Sea. And the reason for that is because he loves the movie out of Africa. And he's a good friend of um, one of the actors in the movie. So this is my team shirt. This is all of what our team wears when I take our clients out on experiential outings as part of their recovery program. We take them on mindfulness outings to help them uh, just connect with nature and show them fun ways of um, having fun without the use of substances. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Dr. Jacqueline, you know, uh, uh, Monica's story starts many years ago, and I, I 
I listened to her not long ago on a podcast. I sat there riveted with tears streaming down my face what what she went through and where she's brought herself to. So, Monica, over to you with, with your story. Uh, thank you, Janetta. Thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. And what a pleasure it is to be here and to share my story on uh, my journey. My fell off on my journey with um, substance abuse, I can trace it back to my first drink. When I first had that drink at 19 years old, I loved how alcohol made me feel. And I just wanted more and more of it. And every opportunity I got, um, it was usually the last man standing, um, as we'd have a contest with my family members. And living in Kenya, it wasn't apparent what was going on with me about my drinking. It wasn't identified as excessive drinking until I got, um, I traveled to the U.S. I went there for school and I went with my then boyfriend who became my husband and the father of our children. And in that relationship, um, he was more of a typical like the tribe of Kenya, it's called Kikuyu, typical man who, who expects the woman to do everything around the house um, in addition to uh, holding a full-time job as expected to come home, prepare dinner for the children, uh, make sure they have a bath, they go to bed, do their homework. So it was really very um, exhausting. Um, my only way of coping with that is a little energizer, which I found in the drink. And with the drink, I was able to perform all those tasks, uh, but I didn't know what was happening. I became now dependent on alcohol. I couldn't function without it. Uh, I would drop off my kids at school uh, because it got to a point where I wasn't allowed to drink any alcohol in the home. So for me, the best idea was, okay, if I can't drink at home, then let me drink at work so that way I don't have to have any conflict. Conflict, uh, because of, evidently every time I drank or he uh, could smell any alcohol on me, that became a session for a beating uh, in front of the children. Um, and then at times he would even beat them if they um, were trying to pull him away from me from that behavior. My, our children would come and say, stop doing that. Um, he would threaten them if they didn't leave the the next ones getting the beating. So as this relationship got worse in, with this kind of behavior, the more I drank. So eventually uh, we got into this huge argument where he dragged me through the house from the kitchen, through the dining area, through the garage, and just basically threw me out um, of the house. It was at that point where I called my best friend and she suggested just call the police um, and get this done because every time we had a domestic violence situation, he would talk me out of it. And at that point, it made sense because if I reported him um, about the abuse, he would get in trouble and go to jail. But then I would get in trouble with, the, with law enforcement because I'm endangering the children as an alcoholic. So the children would be taken away. So I saw that logic and, you know, never called the police. But in this situation, my girlfriend told me, no, it's about time. 
So when I called the cops, um, he was arrested and I was given 30 days restraining order from him and he was told to stay away from the house. So in that process, I moved out. I found a place within those 30 days. I was able to find a place and moved out. And the court system, court system in, Kenya, um, in the U.S. works really well. So we both get custody. So we had 50-50 custody and shared the children. We'd have them one week, I'd have them the other week. And that worked out pretty well. Um, and I had to attend our colleagues' anonymous meetings and show them to the court as proof that I'm capable of you know, having custody of the children. Uh, so I kept the sober part for a little bit because of the court order. However, um, as an alcoholic, I had gone through that invisible line. I was really powerless over alcohol. I couldn't manage it. So when the kids were gone, the week I didn't have them was an opportunity for me to binge drink. And then the week they came back, I would do as the best I could to manage it. There was no way stop of stopping it. So eventually... I my daughter was celebrating her 13th birthday and we went to visit uh, my best friend in Orange County. At that time, I lived in San Diego, went to visit her in Huntington Beach, California. And she said, um, I mean, we celebrated my daughter's birthday, but I wasn't eating because I had drunk so much before going to my friend's home. So when it was time to uh, celebrate the, the cake and the meals and all that. I wasn't able to eat uh, because of how much I had drank in advance because I did not want to drink in front of my friend Dana. If anything, I just wanted to show her I'm doing okay. Um, and life is, you know, is I'm managing whatever it is that everybody thinks I have a problem with other than me. So what, what happened is after dinner, I got into an alcohol withdrawal seizure since I had put so much in my system, my body was craving it, and I wasn't giving it what it needed. And that really scared my friend after they took me to the ER. Uh, when I got out, she suggested I relocate from San Diego to Huntington Beach to be closer to her and people who love me. So maybe that way I would drink. Um, so I, you know, I agreed and she helped me find a place. And in the process, her and her family were supporting me, paying my rent, um, as well as buying my food. And in the meantime, I was supposed to look for work in, in my line of work as a financial analyst, which um, I was doing, but not quite doing it. Um, since I had my house rent paid for, I had food, there was no motivation for me to work harder and find that job. So I kind of half-assed it and just did a little bit of foot looking for work. And, you know, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And I was okay with that. Uh, but then after about three months, then I was a little concerned that I was just sitting home. And she asked her friend to hire me on a part-time basis as um, a salesperson to sell memberships for, for the Chamber of Commerce for Huntington Beach. And I said, okay, I'll do that while I look for a full-time job. And, you know, we all know sales jobs. I'm self-employed, so that means I show up when I show up. Um, we normally had meetings on Mondays. So I'd go in on Monday, do the meeting, and then I'd say um, I'm on sales calls the rest of the time. 
um, which was not really the case. I would show up once in a while to the office. But for some reason, I was actually doing well in getting um, people to respond to renewing memberships. So I was still getting a little bit of commission. You know, not too much. Since Dina was fully supporting me with rent and food, um, again, there was no motivation for me to fully exert myself. Um, and then I had a call, a sales call to make. So I had to go into the office to print out the documentation to sign up a new member. I got to the office, um, but while I was in the process of doing that, I got another seizure. Um, and this was at work, um, but the grace of God, it happened there and not while I was driving or um, at the, you know, at the appointment. That would have been, you know, but the grace of God, though, I managed to do it while I was at the desk. And from there, I was taken to the ER again. And while I was in the ER, I completely surrendered. I, I just earnestly asked my creator that help me out of this one. I, I just can't do this anymore. While I was in the ER, I called looking, asking the nurses where I can get a rehab. At this point, I had you know used all the money. I didn't have any money saved. Um, and they gave me a list of rehabs to call. And the first one I called told me, call every day at 11 a.m. and we'll see if a bed opens up. So after two days in the ER, my friend Dana picked me up, took me to the house, and on the way there, she told me as soon as I get out of rehab, she never wants to see me again and I will not be part of her life. Um, so I continued making the phone calls, and on the fifth day, I was, I was able to get an admission. So I was taken to the treatment facility in Anaheim. It was a county-funded facility, so I wasn't required to pay anything. And um, I had surrendered, so I did everything with the help of my creator to, to get this, to get recovery. So on the first week, I was able to get to adhere to the program and get a sponsor whom I required to have to work the 12 steps of recovery and I had that sponsor for four years she was the best thing that could have ever happened to me but while I was in there I was spending a lot of my time uh, into the recovery books or just doing something to help me figure out how to stay in recovery a, a lot of the people who worked at the treatment facility were in recovery so I kept talking to them figuring out how do you guys do it what do I have to do is there a magic formula and all they have to do is oops sorry all I have to do is keep it simple not overthink it but because of my educational program I like to overthink overanalyze every situation uh, but they say all you have to do is follow some little directions some little 12 steps with your sponsor and all will be well. So at this point, I was willing to do whatever I took and I was willing to follow any direction from anyone else other than me. Because doing it my way did not work. And with the help of a sponsor, I got the recovery that um, I have today. And while I was in there, I was also helping other people who came in. A few of, um, 
addicts like myself would come in. They wouldn't want to be there because it wasn't a really nice, you know, clean facility. It was an old building with very basic stuff. Um, and most of us, um, having come from a cul-de-sac with the two cars, the house, you know, with, with the two kids and a perfect life where everything is so good on the outside, um, coming to this place, um, they just didn't want to be there. So I was helping them because we, it's, it's through helping somebody else that I get to uh, help myself and get to keep what it is that has been given to me, which is recovery. So my the house manager, so that in my effort to help others, she figured I'd be good at um, becoming a counselor. And I listened to her recommendation. So once I completed the 90-day program, I signed up to become a night staff at the same facility. So I did a nine-hour course on ethics, confidentiality, and boundaries, which is what is required to do the night shift. And while I was doing the night shift, after finishing the program, then I was look, studying to become a counselor. Uh, it was a six-month course. So I was doing both the practical piece of it by learning from other counselors and now pursuing the course in addiction counseling. And after completing it, after six months, I worked in a few rehabs within Orange County. I worked for some really that cared for the clients and I worked for some bad ones. Well, not, they don't really have the interest of recovery for the individual. So I took the model of the ones that, that um, have that compassion and want to see clients succeed. And I figured I'll bring the same model to Kenya. Um, I know they want, there are not very many facilities here, especially in the area where I'm at in Naivasha. So five years before I made the move, I was uh, interviewing a few rehab owners, uh, getting to know the operations, how it works, what it takes. And with very little funding, from the savings I had acquired after two years of being sober. Um, I took the leap of faith um, and Carl Mosen has been a huge supporter, both financially and um, mentoring me and just telling me, just hang in there. It takes time because every time I call him, I say, I only have three clients, I only have one client, I have no clients, but he suggested just, just keep at it. So I opened the doors in 2019 um, when we've been operating um, at very small capacity because we were new and I was trying to get my rehab to be recognized. Uh, but when we had the pandemic come in, then we were told to shut down for, since March of 2020, we were shut down and we were told we can't open unless it's a critical case. So again, now, being a startup and having to close puts me in a really difficult situation. But you know, Carl kept supporting us, um, and we kept, we hang in there. Now we're reaching um, everyone. I mean, a lot of people within my community, and I've started seeing people just walk in and wanting to talk because we've been doing outreach. At first, we were just targeting uh, people who are in addiction. But now, since we're still very new and still the business is still slow, 
we've started now doing outreach, going to our immediate companies near us, the big ones being flower farms. So we've approached a couple of flower farms and given them sensitization on what causes um, addiction. So rather than waiting until people have issues with addiction, we are educating them on how to prevent um, addiction. And we're also letting them know that we're here if they've gotten to the point where they need help. But for now, we're giving them tools um, and we're opening ourselves up for people to come talk to us. And unfortunately, the community I live in, the biggest issue is poverty. It's driven a lot of um, individuals who live here into state of hopelessness, but that's a bigger issue than I can handle. So what I can what I'm I can offer right now is educating the parents that regardless of what's happening around you, um, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself. So let's start with self-care. Let's start with working with what you have. We all have needs. Um, we all need sometimes a lot more than what we can afford. So we do the basics, like this is what you know to be your income. Don't Let's only work with what is your income and let's not go around and borrow and start having all these debts. Um, so a few of them, the issues that they've come up with when we meet after we do this, the talk is about finances, which is the biggest thing. However, um, it's all manageable if we live within our means. So with that, Monica, um, I will pause. Monica, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting a bit more about this side, but I'd love us to take a, a, a big step back because there are a lot of people on the show today who I'm sure are relating to the journey you've been through. And you know, it so often you think, okay, so you're in rehab and you're determined and you're not going to fight it anymore and now you're going to make a difference. But I'd love to get a, an account of, for you because I found this. However determined I was, there were still moments where I wondered if I'd ever get through, even though I had skills and and techniques and and, and, and. So what did you, did you find you had your moments uh, and still do have your moments? And what do you do to help yourself through? What are the techniques that you employ that work for you? Um, the first one is I do not know anything, <laughs> okay? The, the minute I say I don't know anything, I don't have any expectations over issues or over situations, I free myself of any expectations. And the biggest part is spirituality. I am a Catholic, a practicing one. So fortunately for me, the location I found, the treatment facility has a Catholic church that offers uh, morning devotions, I mean, morning mass. Before, and before the mass, they have adoration. So I find that when I go there, no matter how tired I am or how little much little sleep I got, I go in there and I get grounded. All I do is sit still and just bear myself, you know, like bear everything that I have that I'm struggling with. 
But if I don't have any expectation, if I don't know anything, it makes my life so simple since whatever happens is what's supposed to happen. So I'm in acceptance. And that's my biggest takeaway with that is just having acceptance of the way things are and that I have no control over anything or over anyone. Monica, thank you so much for sharing that. What keeps coming out to me, and Jeanette, I'd love to have you weigh in on this as well, is that uh, you were you were not alone. You realized that there was a greater opportunity for you to surrender. And when you surrendered, you realized that your creator was there for you. And I think that that's powerful, that people feel like they have to walk the walk by themselves and that there's no support system there unless they bear their soul and tell everyone exactly what's going on. But if you think about a God or creator universe or something much greater and surrendering to that, then that is affirmation and, and hope for the future, right? Correct. Absolutely correct. Because, yeah, we're not alone. And even if you don't believe in a creator or, you know, what we call higher power is you, you choose something that's greater than yourself. And that just makes it easier for you. Janetta, what are your thoughts? Yes, uh, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with this. And I'll take it one step, step further with with the clarity I got with this was when one's feeling compromised in whatever form it comes in, there's a sense before you surrender to something that's bigger than you, that something outside yourself, because the creator is within, that, that creative ability, the, the creator is within us. We're not separate from the creator. They are within and they're without. So there's an omnipresence and an omniscience that is always within and without. It's never absent. But what so often happens is when we're in that place of complete compromise where we feel that there's, we're hopeless, we're in the perception that something or someone outside ourselves, not the creator, will rescue us or fix us. So that's the alcohol or the drugs or whatever dependency we might have. And whilst we're looking for something in our physical world to rescue us uh, or fix us, it, we just, it, it doesn't work because we're seeing ourselves separate from whatever it is we're seeing rescuing or we're seeing ourselves as lesser than and that whatever or whoever is outside ourselves is, is greater than. And when one can turn within and know that the creator is within in an omniscient and, and an um, omnipresence, then you step into your power mm -hmm. of knowing that you're being guided. That's absolutely correct, Janetta. Um, I was just reflecting on how sometimes when we do counseling, we have clients who approach us with uh, some issue. And as they, they're talking to us about the issue, then they figure out what the solution is. So just the way you said, it's within us. We all have the answers to all our issues. It's just that 
we we have so much bottled up in our heads that we can't break out where the solution lies so we get stuck on the issue but the minute we voice it out uh, and we start sharing with somebody else then you know other than that big issue being um, resolved by half we also identify where it's coming from what the root cause of that issue is and how we're going to resolve it. And that's what we do in psychotherapy. We do not give people solutions. We help them identify the solutions that are inherently within them. Monica, I just want to thank you for your transparency and for bearing your soul. And you know, I've said this to Janetta before that I can only imagine when you're reliving it and sharing so that you can help others that some of that pain and, and the memories, you know, and, and where you were and where you are, you know, it, 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 it sticks in the heart a little bit. So thank you so much for doing that. As we come to the end of the show, I'd love for you to share a little bit about these experiences that you create for people to help transport them into this world of beauty with nature and looking at things from a different perspective. Uh, thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. Uh, the first thing we do is um, we we teach them basic skills. Um, the first one is eating healthy. Some when we come in um, as recover into recovery, we come in just um, very broken, not caring about our well-being. So we start with the nutrition, and they have a chef who helps them with three meals a day, and um, once a week as a group, as a team of recovering addicts and a chef, they choose a meal um, and they prepare it together on um, Sunday. So we're teaching them basic cooking skills. And on Saturdays, we show them how to keep a clean space, you know, very basic stuff. Like they do double scrub, what's called double scrub, which means cleaning every room, their rooms from top to bottom. Um, and then the common areas they do it as a team. So that's also building teamwork because as, as a recovering alcoholic, I know how we come in selfish, self-centered and do not want to participate in anything that does not directly benefit us. So then we teach them how to keep a clean space that they share together. And on a daily basis, we do a check-in with them in the mornings when they do morning meditation they create some goals for the day and they also say what they are grateful is. they are grateful for for that day and in the evening when they wind up the day they talk about their day and whether they accomplished that goal but even in the morning after our morning meditation we just show them how to have a nice and neatly made bed so with the basic task of making a bed you'll be surprised we have to teach a lot of these clients how to neatly make a bed and keep the space clean. So when they go back in the evening, it's a feeling of calmness. And then two days a week, we do take them on experiential outings. And I'm very grateful to be in a location in Ibasha where there's a diverse, uh, the diverse locations where we take them. Uh, one of them is actually a boat ride and they dock right by my location, which is right by the lake. So the boat comes in and picks them up and takes them around the lake, showing the different sceneries or the different um, points of interest around Lake Naivasha. Um, then we have what's called Hillsgate. It's a national park 
we drive through there. Um, they can go cycling if they need to. There's also Mount Longonot where we've taken them for a very short hike um, because we don't usually take them for a very long time, just two to three hours. And then we also have other activities. We have um, a geothermal spa where we take them for them to just unwind and just basically be present and enjoy doing things without the use of substances. And they come out of that feeling very relaxed and even in awe that they can actually have fun and do things without being under the influence. And the other thing we do is an outreach. We visit a local medium prison where we bring the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous to the inmates. And my clients and staff go in there and help the inmates to share their experiences. And we just give them hope that in recovery, their lives can be different. So that's another added bonus to our clients to see that, you know, life really can is can be worse, but they're in a much better position being where they are. And it gives them an opportunity for even bigger gratitude for recovery. Thank you, Monica. Uh, I just have a follow-up question. How long is this opportunity to spend time with you and your team? Is it defined, you know, you can come here for X amount of time and work with us, or is it ongoing? Um, the initial stages for what we call creating the foundation is 90 days, three months. Uh, the first month, we are really taking care of the physical and the mental. We're just really scrubbing them, removing all um, the substances from your system, giving them healthy meals to get their bodies strong. And then the second month, um, we are giving them tools and skills to utilize in instances where they have triggers and then identifying through the family members, because then we invite the family members in the second month for family session. So they all talk out about any issues that they have. And then we bring them all to the table. We process them in a safe environment. And then in the third month, we work on their vocation. What will they be doing to become contributing member of the society or communities and to stay productive so that way they're not idle. Um, and then after those 90 days, uh, once they discharge the very first month, we're checking in with them once a week. We give them a week, a free weekly session. And then after that, it's once a month for the first year. And then we invite them to come for um, a meetings. We have open meetings Sundays at 2 p.m. We invite them to come back so they can share the experience with the ones that are still in our residential care. And they are also welcome to bring their family members in any event. Um, it's a family disease, so the healing is also uh, for the family, and we refer them to Al-Anon. Thank you so much. I have about a zillion more questions, but we're out of time. Jeanette, I'm going to go over to you for any final question or comment. No, not a question really, because also there are a zillion and, and Monica and I are getting physically together next month, which I'm so looking forward to. And uh, I've got some ideas in my head that might or might not be helpful. Um, so that, that time has still to come. Uh, but again, you know, Monica, your courage and bravery, because... One of the things that 
uh, I found the most difficult was the day I wrote my story and it got published alongside some pretty big personalities and names, including Dr. John D. Martini and Dr. Alveda King, Martin Luther King's niece, and Dr. Bernie Siegel. Um, and it, uh, you know, to sit there and um, and think, wow, everybody's going to think I'm the world's worst mother. And I wanted to ask you about that, where you've uh, stepped into your courage. What's that done for you and others? Have you noticed? Has it been difficult for you? What's that journey been like? Uh, thanks for the question, Janetta. For me, it hasn't been difficult uh, because I feel that it was either that or I would have ended up dead. Uh, so the fact that having the courage to make the change and do something about uh, the drinking that was destroying or actually destroyed my family. Um, my, my daughter, unfortunately, is one of us and she's still trying to find her way. Despite me being a healer, she um, still struggles. Uh, however, my son is doing a lot better. Um, and I mean, he's doing well and he thinks I'm a good role model for him. Hearing that, uh, it gives me the courage to keep going because I know despite all the damage, um, all the hurts, the pain, the neglects I put my children through, my son can tell me I'm his hero. So it just gives me um, just a lot more courage to speak up and to share with um, some of my clients that come in and they feel they do not have a problem that um, they that actually in denial and it's everybody else's problem and not theirs so when I share my story it helps them identify the, the few characteristics that we share so it's been more of um, a blessing for those who who make it but come in um, with some resistance wow this has been such a profound episode Monica and I invite you to come back and share with us because Jeanette and I both have a lot of questions. I think after the two of you meet in person, that would be uh, that would be great to even have an episode with you together. That would be wonderful. Okay. I look forward. To yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. I'd love to close it out with some final words from you, people who are where you were, and they're thinking, oh, I don't know who she's talking about. I don't have a problem or my life is falling apart around me, but it's not my fault. What would you say to these people? I mentioned at the beginning of the show here in the United States, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and there's always something to be thankful for. And I feel like I'm thankful for you coming here today and sharing your story and opening the door for people to actually look at their own lives and how they can walk through that door and get some help. So over to you, Monica, to close us out. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. Uh, what I can say is um, take a good look at what is around you. Take a good look at your life. If you're not adding value or if you're spending a lot of time in self-centeredness or just worrying about how you can do this for you, and you really are not reaching out or connecting with other people, and you feel like 
you know, your life is just about to end or you don't like what's going on with your life, um, then it's time to do something about it. Time to make a change. Time to, because when I was out there drinking and I had a good job, I mean, I worked as a financial analyst for Sony Electronics, a huge company. Um, I was comfortable, but I hated my job. So if you're finding yourself not enjoying normal things or ordinary things or just enjoying life in general or just doing things, then it's time to evaluate and just speak up and speak to someone. Um, just start with your best friend and take, uh, have a feeling of what they think about that situation. But without speaking out, uh, you cannot become a, the best version of who God created you to be. Because for, for me, it was because of being an alcoholic, believe it or not, that I found out that um, I'm a good person and I can be the best version of myself by helping others. I was happy, comfortable doing the 8 to 5 job, but today I can work 24 hours doing what I do, helping others, and just that fills my cup. And my life is so calm and easy. I'm at peace. So just don't be afraid to explore and uh, find out what else is out there. There's a lot more than our limited beliefs and a lot more than we think we're comfortable with. So don't be afraid to speak up. You're not alone. If you're not able to speak to a professional, speak to your best friend, have them um, give you some feedback of how they feel you're doing or what you, how they perceive your life to be or your lifestyle. And you'll be surprised that um, people who you trust will be honest with you and give you good feedback. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Monica. While we have you on Spotlight, your banner is there on display for people to connect with you. But if they're listening on a radio channel or they're watching um, or listening on a podcast platform, how can they reach out to you and connect? And who would you like to contact you? Uh, anyone who feels they just want to have a conversation regarding changing their lives to become the best version of themselves. My phone number is an international number. So they would dial plus two five four seven 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 eight thousand sixty three or visit our website www.simplyconnectmission one word simplyconnectmission.com and there they will also find the phone number. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you and thank you again for just being so real and down to earth with us and sharing your story. I can't tell you how much it means. Thank you so much, Dr. Jacqueline. Thank you so much, Janetta, for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Lots of love. Thank you. Come back and see us again, Thank Monica. You. Okay. Back at you. Thank you. Bye. Of course, anytime. Thank you so much for the for the offer. Janetta, thank you so much for bringing Monica to the platform. I really appreciate it. We have another show coming up, which is your show. Tell us a little bit about that and what people can expect to hear from you today. Well, thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. Uh, yes, we're coming up on at the top of the hour with the next USA Global TV and radio show, which is part of the Talking Heads suite of shows. There are many Talking Heads that 
provide the most amazing, profound and insightful information on this platform. I'm one of, of, of many and uh, my show today uh, is about understanding social pressures and relationships and how to deal with them. And in fact, I'm going to be showing a uh, sharing a actual case study of somebody who uh, was under social pressure became uh, had had an eating disorder and had an absolute fear of social media and what people thought of her and she's just turned her life around so i'm going to share that and then give some skills and techniques to get anybody who's been feeling the same to take their first baby steps so it's talking heads in the next uh, at the top of this hour for the next half an hour and i look forward to seeing you there Thanks, Janetta. And before we go, tell us a little bit about Global Adventures today and what people can expect there. Oh, Global Adventures. I love that show. It is so much fun. Global Adventures is not a travel show, although it sounds like it, it is. It's really people stepping onto this platform and sharing their experiences of having traveled to different places around the world. In a few weeks' time, we've got somebody sharing their uh, trip to Ethiopia and the Coptic Church, which starts out from uh, 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 Solomon the Wise, and it's an amazing adventure, and Antarctica is another one, but today is very close to my heart, because we've got my daughter-in-law, Ashley, who is like a daughter, in fact, she's stepped into that energy that I lost with Jenny, amazing, I just love it a bit, and we've got Ashley talking about growing up in, in Africa, and uh, being in the African bush, and my granddaughter, Bella, is going to be joining us pre-recorded. We've pre-recorded Bella. A little bit of insight, what it's like to growing up in the bush with, with parents that are working in the bush. And Ashley's going to be sharing the experience of the day that Neil proposed to her in the Okavango Delta. So that's at, uh, um, I, I can't give the time. Uh, Dr. Jack, Jack got that. Noon, noon, thank you. Noon EDT. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get so confused. So it's at noon EDT, and I'd love to have you there as well to share this adventure with us. Thank you so much. It's Wednesdays with Janetta. So please do stay tuned. <laughs> we'll be signing off right now. Janetta, how do people get in touch with you, please? Uh, well, there's two ways. There's the epiphanyprocess.com. It's there, but for our radio listeners, it's the epiphanyprocess.com or Janetta, J-E-N-E-T-T-A at the epiphanyprocess.com or worldjennysday.com, which is huge. Go and have a look at World Jenny's Day. What we're doing with that day is exceptional. So that's how you can get hold of me. Brilliant. Thank you again. And thanks to each and every one of you. We will be back in less than five minutes with Jeanetta Barry. We'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.